guys, and welcome to the Bodybuilding Dietitians Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today for what is now episode 188. And as always, you're joined by your hosts, Tiara and Jack. Now today we do have a bit of a special episode for you. It's not a standard question and answer. It's also not a life update, but I'd more so say, Jack, that today is a bit more of a reflective episode because given that Jack and I are both in the final stages of our current improvement season in preparation for our comp preps, which are coming up next year in 2024, we just thought it would be fun to go down a bit of memory lane and actually do a bit of reflection on all of the different things that we've learned over the years and the different lived experiences that we've had as athletes. And, you know, you and I, we've both been athletes our whole lives and we've been exposed to the gym for well over 10 years now. And since our first year of uni back in 2015, we've both been purely resistance training without the addition of team sports. And that's ultimately been in the pursuit to improve ourselves, apply everything that we've learned through training and nutrition and continue to do so in the pursuit to build our physiques and get as muscular as possible and ultimately chase our long-term competitive bodybuilding goals. And you and I, we've both been competing for over six years now. Our first show was back in season A of 2018. And ultimately, we just wanted to give some insight into the lessons that we've learned over all of these years and how it has shaped us into the athletes and the coaches that we are today. And by living those different experiences and learning those different things, you know, both positive and hey, some hard lessons too. That's ultimately why we are going to be showing up in 2024 at our best yet. So Jack, let's do it. I uh, would love to hear, you know, going all the way back to 2018, our first ever season. What are some things that you learned? Mm. Yeah, so I think technically that season started in 2017. I remember prepping over the summer period and we spent some time at Stradbroke, which was fun. Yeah, some good memories associated with that prep. And obviously a big part of it was being at uni still, prepping across our master's degree, being very fresh to bodybuilding. And yeah, I think one positive thing for sure about that prep was just that we realized afterwards that we both have a place in the sport and we both enjoy it as well, which was probably the major highlight of it, I would say. Mm, I, I couldn't agree more. I think in that prep, we didn't necessarily go into it with any sort of expectations. It was more so just, hey, we're here, yes, to be competitive, but at the same time, we are here to confirm whether or not, is this something that we do want to pursue long-term? Because you and I both love everything that this lifestyle brings us. And we'd been training for the years prior and we'd been on top of our nutrition and everything, but we we're both very competitive people. I feel like we needed a competitive outlet and mm. we'd always seen other people undertake bodybuilding preps, you know, on social media and then at our gym. But I think we were pretty responsible in the sense of, you know, we gave it a few years to keep developing our physiques before we truly dove in. Yeah, for sure. Mm. Yeah, I'd been training fairly consistently since 2013, so still five years. Mm, yeah, mm. and my dad got me exposed into the gym back in 2006 <laughs> when I was a swimmer, but yeah. I think on and off uh, doing a lot of gym work, but yeah, once I stopped running in 2015, just purely started to pursue resistance training, and then we didn't compete, actually step on stage until May of 2018, so quite a few years under our belt of being exposed to it, which I think was responsible, but it really did confirm, Hey, this is something that we really enjoy. It's a great outlet for us. Yes. Yeah, it is. And I think that also relates into another point that I have for one of the positives, like ignorance is bliss because we didn't, I didn't know really know what to expect. Like I was just sort of along for the ride. And when I reflect overall on that first prep, it was actually a very, very good prep. There's not too many negatives to say. If anything, there are actually probably more negatives to say about my following prep than my first prep, uh, which I think is awesome for a first time competitor. And I think a lot of that comes down to me being ignorant. Um, ignorant maybe isn't the right word, but just not really knowing what to expect, just kind of following what my coach said. And I was very fortunate to have a good coach 
and I learned a lot in the process and therefore it turned out to be a good prep. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's another positive as well as, and, a, and a lesson is listen to your coach because if you have a good coach, don't, uh, don't try and coach yourself at the same time. Just listen to your coach. They'll get you there in one piece and they'll get you there at your best physique ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it was just hella motivating because at that point, all you and I were ever comparing ourselves to was ourselves, which I think is the way that it should be at the end of the day. But it's so motivating going through that first prep because you just continuously see yourself getting better and better and better. I thought it was so cool. Like that was the first time I'd ever in my life truly dieted very strategically toward a deadline and doing all the things, right? Like how we were taking our progress photos every week and we were putting photos side by side and saying like, hey, look, I'm looking a little bit leaner or, you know, tracking your scale weight, tracking your steps, tracking your macros, seeing all of these numbers kind of move down week by week and putting all of that data together. I just thought it was so neat. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, I think maybe you are a little more invested in the data than I was, (laughs) but I remember sending a lot of, progress to photos to my coach that's for mm-hmm. sure yeah no but it, it definitely confirmed that this is a sport that we both want to be pursuing long term and i think also something that was just so much fun is actually meeting more people that were just like us really finding our community like when we go to posing workshops or you know just getting to know more people as well who are become a bit more invested in your journey as well like you realize, hey, like I'm not a lone wolf out here who's someone just like is very meticulous about how they train and what they eat and what they do on a day-to-day basis. Like there's more people just like me. And we're just very privileged that here where we live in Australia, the bodybuilding community is truly amazing. (laughs) And nothing can quite compare Jack to that very first show. You know, when you wake up on show day morning and the night before you've had your tan on and you know, you wake up and you go pee and then you have a sneak peek of your physique in the mirror and you're like, wow, I've made it. I've never looked like this before in my life. Like I'll never forget that feeling. It was just so cool. (laughs) It was cool. (laughs) Although, yeah, I think every week leading up to the show, we'd never been at that physique. Mm. before at least i had it exactly that's the thing your very first show you set yourself a benchmark and then you just keep improving from there and that's why i'm really glad that you and i both went into those seasons once again we were competitive of course you still want to win but at the same time like we weren't necessarily going in there with any sort of expectations or comparing ourselves to other people it was just a sense of wow i keep getting better and that was motivating as hell but what are some other things that you really like that season? Yeah, so I mentioned about uh, having a coach helps a lot uh, for that first season. Uh, also, another major one was just being busy helps a lot as well. And I think it's almost a bit like a bell-shaped curve, like not being busy enough, not great for comp prep. And that kind of leads into my second prep. Uh, but being too busy is not great for comp prep either. Mm. And I think I was probably right in that middle ground where... My days were, I probably could have done with being a little less busy to be fair, but I still had enough time to do everything I needed and I was pretty much on the go from probably like 6am to to 9 or 10pm and I think that also really made my sleep quite positive as well. Like I had good sleep that prep and I think that was just because my sleep routine was so fixed and I was busy from wake to sleep. So I was so exhausted that like I just had to sleep essentially. (laughs) No choice. (laughs) And I think another positive for me was just practicing posing from the get go and having a coach there to, to help me with posing Mm. uh, for sure, because I didn't have any issues with posing on stage. I probably had some of the better posing despite being a first time competitor as well. Um, yeah. But posing for the first time, obviously that's a positive because you put in the work and you started early, but posing for the very first time, was it tough? Because mm. I know speaking for myself, it was freaking tough, especially for someone who comes from a very athletic background, but has no background in dancing or any sort of performance where you have to wear heels. Also, Didn't you dance at parties and stuff? <laughs> 
yeah, I danced at parties, but boy, I was wearing flats. Like I'm pretty tall. I got some height to me. I'm like over 176 centimeters tall and I'd never wear heels. Even to all my formals and balls in grade 12, like I wear a long dress and I was wearing some flat shoes. So being why is that just because you were self-conscious about your height or yeah like i was already kind of pushing the limits with my dates anyway so like i didn't need to be towering over everybody but like being in heels for the very first time that was so uncomfortable my feet have probably never been in so much agony and just being very uncoordinated and goofy and trying to have to arch my back and put my hips up and stand in these (laughs) static poses and like look like it's effortless that was really, really tough. But luckily, what I What did had... you wear as your first heels again? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Basically, like, stripper heels. <laughs> oh, man. If anyone knows me, I love colors. And I bought these heels one time at Ruby Shoes. They were, like, these pink and yellow and blue and purple heels. Never wore them. I just thought they looked cool. But I had to wear those first before I actually bought myself some stage heels have some very goofy pictures from my very first Mm. posing lesson but I had a great posing coach too like Mel Green I had her in my corner and she taught me everything for ICN bikini back then when the standard in posing was even very different back then compared to what it is now but uh yeah that was painful but hey stuck at it and um looked half decent on stage I got it Mm. together in the end (laughs) yeah I think reflecting on on uh Alan who was my coach he like the lengths that he went is is something that just coaches don't really do these days. Mm-hmm. Like he literally drove from his house to uh, the University of Queensland to do his check-ins with me. Like I should be the one doing that, not him. <laughs> um, and yeah, I think he kind of went above and beyond for me that prep, uh, which was I think partially why it was such a success. But also I think him setting the standard like that as a coach is Mm. probably the reason why you are such a good coach now too. And you will go above and beyond and you go to those lengths for your own clients because you were shown from the get-go that like, hey, if someone actually cares and they're invested in you, that's going to pay off in the results. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Alan Mayo, good guy. (laughs) But I like what you said too about how just life circumstances. I think from that prep, I learned that there's ideal and unideal circumstances to prep through. And I think if I'm almost under the impression, if you're going to have very unideal circumstances, it might as well be in your first prep because one, you'll make it through. And also you'll always have that as a comparison to be like, I've been through tougher than this. So for example, if your schedule is just chaotic, if you are working full-time, if you are trying to study full-time, perhaps if you have kids, like you're being pulled in so many different directions, but you really want to do a prep as well. One, I think own that and realize it's a choice and, you know, just have to take radical responsibility, but also you're going to learn a lot of lessons from that. And sure, it might not be the most ideal circumstance to prep in because your blood pressure probably will be through the roof at times. You will be quite stressed and overwhelmed. Sleep might not be super duper ideal, but hey, at least uh, you know that you're capable of pushing through a prep like that compared to then in future when you do another prep and uh, circumstances are a lot more low key. <laughs> mm. Yeah, certainly. Um, I think uh, I might start listing some of the negatives maybe. Yeah. So as I was saying, the negatives don't, Um, as numerous as the positives which is nice but mine probably relate more so to the uh, recovery phase after comp and like one probably went too hard afterwards just uh, incorporating new movements and not really backing off in intensity or volume if anything I think the volume even maybe went up a little bit and uh, the intensity stayed the same so and that maybe or maybe didn't lead to like a back injury that I had for like six to eight months and on that same note, I just didn't gain enough weight either. Like my stage weight was 76 and I was hovering around like 78 to 84 months, like literally months from all the way, probably from when I finished, which was in May up until like December or January of the following year. Um, so that was way too long. Mm. Yeah. And from memory, was that deliberately or was that because you weren't taking into account like, hey, I'm super metabolically adaptive. So even though I'm eating a thousand more calories than I was eating in prep and on paper, it's a lot of food, it still wasn't enough for you? Or was it anything related to body image? What was it? 
Yeah, I don't think it was body image. The biggest thing was that I got injured in June, so less than a month after competing, and I didn't. My my training was so suboptimal that I didn't want to gain any weight mm. uh, because, like, my training wasn't as good as it could be, and also my food because I am metabolically adapted. My food was actually still in a decent position, so. I didn't really see a need to increase body weight. In hindsight, I should have because I think that would have helped me recover faster. Like I still had glute striations and all that. And uh, yeah, again, we live and we learn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there a question you would like us to answer on the podcast? If so, make sure to be following us on Instagram at The Bodybuilding Dietitians, where we release question polls on a regular basis. As well, Keep a lookout for our weekly informative posts on all things bodybuilding and nutrition, which are great references to save. And if you're a coach, share with your clients too. Yeah, I guess if I could touch on a negative, which I almost want to kind of see as well as a positive because I did learn a lot from it, was just prepping under those kind of unideal circumstances in the sense of, having so much on your plate that you can't always prioritize your sleep and get a full eight or nine hours every single night. Because I was working like anywhere between 30 to 40 hours at the gym those weeks, doing a lot of kind of crazy night shifts because I just wanted to earn money. And that was after full days at placement or at university plus training, etc. So that was a lot. And I did actually kind of sacrifice my sleep there. And just having so much and being very overwhelmed with studies, I did notice that my scale weights during the week when I had like really early morning wake-ups and then had to weigh in before going off for the day, like I was unfortunately not having the best digestion that prep. I was probably pretty constipated. And also like just weighing in on the weekdays, I was constantly seeing my scale weight go up and up and up, which I just had to accept that. I was like, that's just what I've chosen to do right now. I have to own that. And that's just the consequence of it. But I did learn during that prep to be like, hey, you have to trust that compound interest is happening behind the scenes. Of course, you're in an energy deficit. And I just had to just push that aside, ignore it, and then hold out for the weekends, which were a lot more representative of my true scale weight. So that's something that I had to learn. And I can really relate to clients now when they're going through those similar circumstances. I'm like, hey, don't focus on what Wednesday's showing you. You know, it's unrepresentative. Let's just hold out for Saturday or Sunday and see where your true body weight's actually at. Yeah, I think you were definitely busier than me, that's for sure. Mm. And like, I think I was just on the verge of being too busy, but not quite. Whereas Mm. you genuinely were too busy Mm -hmm. because you had my same responsibilities. Plus you were working every evening pretty much. But hey, you know, you live and you learn. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I said, yeah. (laughs) But something I definitely learned through this first prep is that this sport is highly subjective. And ultimately, even if you show up with what you think is your best look, that's not always necessarily guaranteed to be rewarded. Because I remember for that very first show, remember I did the entry level division. I did ICM bikini. And even ICM bikini back in 2018 was so different to what ICM bikini is now in 2023. Very different standard of physiques and posing. But for that very first show, I actually placed decent. It's actually the highest I've ever placed at any show, funnily enough, even though it's my least impressive physique. But I got like two second places and a third place in my like first timers, under 21s, open divisions, etc. And then two weeks later, we had the Brisbane Classic show. And I remember seeing Mel, my posing coach, a week in between. She's like, whew, Tiara, like... You're looking a lot leaner. I think after that first show, it's natural to have a bit of a whoosh. And if you stay on your diet, you do come into the second show looking a lot better. But I think I must have like just dropped a lot of water weight or something. Because in that week, I was looking dramatically leaner. And Mel was like, you don't want to be getting any leaner than this. Like they're probably not going to reward it. Because especially back then, ICM bikini was a hell of a lot softer look. But I love the way that I looked. (laughs) And I was like... I'm just doing this for the experience. I'm almost seeing how far I can really push myself with this. And I did keep dieting. I did keep pushing myself harder. I loved the way that I looked for my second show, but I dropped down from like second and thirds down to fourth and fifths. And I even remember being backstage, one of those girls coming on for another time and Jason was on the mic and he's like, 
just giving the crowd a reminder that it's not always the the leanest physique that's on stage or something like here in bikini we're looking for a softer look i almost feel like he was talking to me yeah <laughs> but I didn't care because I was so proud of myself and also I see in bikini that's not a division I wanted to be in permanently. I've always wanted to be a fitness model, right? I just wasn't developed enough to be in that category yet. So, you know, I took the hit for that one, but I'd learned there that it is subjective. Obviously, this is a subjective sport and in the bikini division, probably more than any other division, even if you show up in what you think is your most impressive looking physique, it might not always be rewarded on the day. So that's important to learn. Yes, same goes for yeah every every category. I don't know, bodybuilding, the most muscular, the most conditioned guy generally wins. Bikini, yeah. not it's the not case. Always the easiest, <laughs> I know it's not easy, but that's no, kind I of the it's criteria. Not, it's not as easy as just saying that. Because like people with different structures that Okay, it'll... structure, you know, you know. But anyway, it's it's not like those wild bikini streets out there. <laughs> So I think we should move on to our 2021 prep, which... Well, there was a prep in between. <laughs> right, yeah. I know that you were a bit preoccupied with uh, getting really jacked and olive oil shots and a few hot cross buns here or there, but I actually did a prep <laughs> throughout 2019 to 2020. I did one show before COVID canceled the other what, four or five that I had planned, but I got one IFBB show under my belt. But I did learn quite a few things, you know, from that 2020 prep. So, you know what, I'll start off with some hard lessons. What I learned during that prep, admittingly, is that you can't avoid doing the tough stuff in training. Otherwise, your physique is going to show for it and you are gonna face the consequences of that, of looking more underdeveloped on stage. Because admittingly, in 2020, like I was probably the most wimp that I've ever been during a prep when it comes to training because we just moved to World's Gym Brisbane from UQ Sport. And when we moved there, there were a lot of exciting new pieces of equipment, particularly things to train your legs with, particularly your quads. So they had like a hack squat and a V squat, really good incline leg press machines. And at the beginning of prep, I was going at those, right? Cause I had the energy for it. I had that just drive in me to train hard. But you know, my quads have always kind of been my most lagging body part. And your most lagging body part, the muscle group that's probably the least developed and also the least strong, it's probably the most anxiety provoking to train. And admittingly, as that prep continued and I was in charge of my own training, like I started to get a bit slack on my lower body movements for my quads because they freaked me out and they were really, really tough. And over time with my leg days, it started being the case of, ugh, instead of doing the hack squat, I think I'm just gonna do some extra sets on the leg extension or ugh, <laughs> instead of doing lunges, again, I'm just gonna do some single leg press. Like I was taking the easy way out. I w and But I faced the consequences for that because I had like really, really just like stick legs by the end of prep. I probably lost muscle, whatever muscle I had to begin with in my quads. So. I admittingly face the consequences of that, but now that's another reason why that's like, you know, just cemented into me to train really hard in a prep. And I drill that into myself, but I also really drill that into my clients and don't let them back off things just because it feels tough. Otherwise their physique will show for it on stage. And you just don't want that to be the case. Another hard lesson that I learned during that prep is that it's really important to hire a professional posing coach for IFBB. <laughs> because again, admittingly for that first prep, like a lot of my posing was self-taught through things like watching videos online, a lot of YouTube, and I was doing a lot of practice. Don't get me wrong. I was walking to the gym every single day and I was actually going to the posing room and I was doing posing at World's Gym Brisbane almost daily but I was practicing the wrong things. And you don't wanna put a buttload of effort into practicing the wrong things because you probably will get on stage looking a little bit goofy. <laughs> but in my defense, this was during 2019 and 2020, there were a few posing coaches around, but a lot of them only did like in-person posing. Like I remember Renee Garner from over in Western Australia, she's in Perth. She's a phenomenal posing coach, but I know at that time she was just basically doing posing like in person outside of Doherty's gym. 
But it wasn't until after 2020 season A, when COVID hit, basically everything went online. And not just did online coaches, you know, really hit the scene, Jack, but online posing coaches, particularly here in the IFBB space, they just started to blow up. And now there's so many different posing coaches that people have access to for online lessons. I feel like that just wasn't the case back in that 2019 timeframe, or at least I just didn't know of them. But anyway, that's a hard lesson that I learned that it's really important if you're going to step up to IFBB to hire a professional posing coach so that when you get on stage, you are showcasing your absolute best. I still, I don't really know if it would have made that dramatic of a difference though to my outcome on show day for that prep though, because still looking at my physique, I still wasn't developed enough to really be competitive with the big girls. I think also just due to my age, I was like only just 22 years old as well. So simply just needed more time, but certainly could have improved my posing too. (laughs) Mm. But hey, it's not all negative, you know, like, Honestly, during that prep, I was actually having one hell of a time documenting my journey. And I had such a good time because on social media, I see myself as far more of a creator than a consumer or definitely not a comparer. But I didn't know anyone else that was competing in the IFBB show. And that actually instilled me with a lot of self-confidence and self-belief because I was just never comparing my physique to anyone else. I was simply just focused on my own rate of improvement, which kept me in a really good headspace. And I was sharing a lot on my social media, through stories, through Instagram posts. And remember how I even had that little podcast mini series going, Jack? Yeah. Like so many people were tuning into that and I got just like immense support. And what I really learned during that prep is that regardless of the outcome on stage, because I didn't achieve any top placings in that first IFBB show, but regardless of your final outcome, like you don't have to be a winner. You don't have to be a champion for people to still be invested and supportive of your journey. Because honestly, everyone was just so nice and kind and people really loved following along. And I just, that, that honestly just meant the world to me. I think and that was really motivating to me too, to be like, man, regardless of what actually happens at the end of the day, if people like who you are and they like how you just, you're always chasing this sense of self-improvement, they will back you, which I think is an awesome reminder to people. Mm, for sure. Yeah. It's great to have that community behind you. And I think as each of our preps have gone on, uh, there's been, there's only going to be more kind of people looking on like critically, but also as a community as well. Mm -hmm. But that's what I like about us is that I think that it's relatable to people and hopefully it's inspiring too, because once again, even with this podcast being a bit more open and transparent and a little bit vulnerable, to be honest, but showcasing that like, hey, we didn't just achieve success right off the bat. We've actually been at this for quite a long time, experiencing the good, the bad, everything in between. (laughs) Mm. Yep. Yeah, but you know, that 2020 prep, it was enjoyable, that's for sure. But uh, yeah, certainly learned a lot. But now let's move into 2021 because that's when we came back and we did it together. Yeah, so again, we competed season A and again, we started in the year prior. So 2020, I think I started 25 weeks out, which is an extra five weeks compared to last time. And I remember starting on, I think, October 19th which was two days after my birthday. And yeah, retrospectively, I achieved more this prep. Like I got two overall wins in Classic Physique and I missed out on my Classic Physique Pro card by by one placing. And um, again, did pretty decent in bodybuilding as well. But I think, I don't know, maybe it's just that I look at my first prep through rose-tinted glasses, but I feel like my first prep was easier than, than the second prep. And... Not that easiness should really come into it, but I think ideally you want to achieve the same outcome or a better outcome without prep being as difficult. And I think that's maybe something that I aspire to next year is enjoying it more and it also not being as difficult. Mm. Like, of course, I'll get the work done if it requires that, but I think I made it more difficult than it had to be by, by reasons that were in my control. 
So I, I just unnecessarily made it more difficult mm. when it didn't have to be. Uh, and I, some of that was partially outside of my control as well. Like for example, I just wasn't as busy and uh, we, because we were sort of in the early phases of TBD and plus sort of in the phases of the pandemic as well, when people just weren't signing on to online coaches as much because they didn't have access to a gym. So therefore like my, my days just weren't, weren't as busy. Um, was creating a lot of uh, infographics, I think, on TBD and uh, just kind of twiddling my thumbs a fair bit, which isn't great for hunger. And I think it's not great because you have too much time to reflect on on how fatigued and tired and, and hungry you are. So that would be one, I guess we're delving into the, the negatives first, but that would be like one lesson for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. But even from what you said there, do you think anything that played in there just mentally with how perhaps that you were anticipating the prep or, you know, you did come off your first season in 2018. You, I'm not even sure if you mentioned, but you actually achieved a number of first places and not just first timers and teens, but even like some novice and open divisions and things like that. Like you weren't too far off. I think even in the overalls actually winning if uh, slimes didn't snag it from you, (laughs) but even coming off that, that was quite a heightened season for you. And if you would have gone to nationals in 2018, pretty sure you probably would have placed again as a national champion, at least in the teen division. So you were very competitive from a young age, but then going into that next season, did, did you have any sort of expectations? Were you let down at all? No, not really. That doesn't play into it at all. Because like, again, I, I did well. Like I was happy with my success. I would say maybe my physique wasn't where I would have liked it to be. I would have obviously would have liked to be more muscular and, and look better on stage. And I think maybe the work that I'd put into it wasn't reflective of what I thought my physique should be. I feel like you're the only one that thinks that because yeah, well, for your again, second I... season and were you 23? I, uh, I, I believe I believe you're 23 that season as well. Like mm. honestly, for your age, if anyone looks back at your physique, they'd be like, holy cows. It was so impressive. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, we'll see what this next season brings. But <laughs> I, uh, I think a lot of the negatives for this prep stems from just being in a different phase of life. Mm. Like, I think it also impacted my sleep as well. I, we ended up going to bed a lot earlier. Like I think before in my first prep, I was going to bed at maybe 9, 30, 10 in this prep. Like we were pretty much heading to bed at like 8 PM when we really, I didn't need to at all. Like, I, and then I just kept waking up earlier and earlier and then just getting more tired earlier and earlier. So that's something that I really want to improve on this coming prep is if I need to actually go to bed later than I do now, then I, then I'll do that because there's no point in me going to bed at eight and then waking up at three Mm. Uh, because technically going to bed at eight and waking up at three, that's seven hours of sleep. That's like a good night's sleep and prep. So I I don't need to be doing that. No, no, that's the insomnia was rough because when you wake up that early, when God knows no one needs to be awake at like two 30 to three 30 AM wide awake, like let's go because and like you need to prolong your first meal. Like we were still trying to wait till like 7 a.m. to eat your first meal. Imagine if you were a normal person and you woke up at like, let's say 7 a.m. or something, waiting three and a half to four hours to eat your first meal. It's almost lunch. Like mm. that's what it felt like in a very chronically energy deprived state. So and then training as well after that. Oh, it was rough. Because, yeah, by the time that you get home from training, you feel like you've lived an entire day. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that was sleep was probably one of the hardest parts of that prep. Mm. And uh, yeah, I'll do a lot for that not to happen again. <laughs> you just need to stay up later with me too, and maybe do some puzzles. Yeah, puzzles. <laughs> but yeah, what what else do you have? Uh, you know, noted down for that prep. So a couple of things actually. I think I didn't communicate as much with my coach, and I think maybe partially was that of course no fault uh of of alan's but he moved cities so like he was in perth and also i was in that phase like i was i was coaching other people as well so i was an online coach i was a dietitian graduated and therefore i wanted to take some responsibility for myself and i think that was not a bad move but i didn't communicate that well enough with him so it ended up being a little bit jumbled so i probably pushed myself a little bit too hard some days um, 
I didn't listen to him enough. And that's a huge lesson because like I'll, I'll be communicating with AJ a lot in this next prep and I'll be very honest and tell him if I disagree with the decision he makes. But the key thing is that I communicate with him with that and, I'll, and we resolve it together. Um, I don't think that will happen because I, everything that has, has been going so well so far. But I think it's really key that if you don't agree with a coach what they've said or if you feel like you would like to do something else, like you just need to tell them. And I expect the same from my clients. Mm, yeah, that would have been tough because obviously that first prep, like we touched on, Alan was going above and beyond for you because you guys lived in the same city. Everything was in person, mm. but then transferring then over onto online, that, that would have definitely been very different. Yeah, I don't think the, the locality was the issue. I think it was more so just me because like we still had check-ins every week and stuff like he was still he was still there for me from a communication perspective so mm. i'll take more responsibility for that mm. um but yeah i've got other negatives unfortunately <laughs> i don't do you have any um anything to say oh man when i reflect on my 2021 prep i think what i learned first and foremost is how mentally tough i am and when i say that i'm going to do something i do it even if it takes a hell of a lot of courage. And oh, that, that prep was honestly just really rough for me because I knew in my heart that I hadn't actually done the work required in a long enough improvement season to have developed my physique enough to truly be competitive on an IFBB bikini stage or an ICN fitness stage. But I almost felt like I was trying to redeem myself and I owed it to myself to finish what I'd started in 2020 because that season I had a lot of shows planned out for myself. And I feel like if that 2020 prep would have gone on, again, I would have learned those similar lessons that I learned in 2021 that then would have carried me through into a longer improvement season. Cause I would have truly been able to see, okay, what do I look like on stage? What needs work? How much time is that going to take? And then I get to work. But in 2021, I committed myself to five shows, two IFBB shows, three ICN shows. And I, I was my best personally, like I'd never been more conditioned. I'd never been more muscular or a better poser in my life, but I still wasn't at the level to compete with the top contenders. And I knew that in my heart. And that was tough, honestly, to keep showing up and keep rocking up to these shows and, you know, having more participation medals hung around my neck than I can possibly count. But I kept going. And for a lot of people, having that many participation medals put around your neck, that would have seriously weighed them down. And, you know, a lot of people probably post-show would have maybe eaten their feelings, thrown up their hands, said, this sport's just not for me. What's the point? I need a break, you know, stop going to the gym. But I felt like that's exactly what I needed to take a really good hard look at myself and ask myself the question, Tara, you actually serious about this sport? Like, do you really want to do this long term? And of course I said, F yes, because I freaking love bodybuilding, but that's exactly what I needed to then just propel and rocket launch me into this improvement season now, which is coming up to the end of two and a half years. And it's going to be a three year gap between 2021 to 2024. That's exactly what I needed to really have my eyes open and be like, you need to put some serious work and time and effort into developing your physique if you want to be a top contender. So I'm actually really grateful for it. But mm. holy crap, did I learn that I'm mentally tough. <laughs> like, I, a lot of people probably wouldn't have been able to handle that. They might have been embarrassed or ashamed, especially because, you know, we share things on social media. We share things on the podcast, but to kill, still keep showing up, you know, like I, I think that honestly took quite a bit of courage. So I, mm. I give that to myself. But uh, how long was your off season from your <laughs> ending your previous? Prep? That's the thing. It was like six months, yeah. but it wouldn't have been that way if the 2020 season wasn't completely canceled because I wanted to get on stage in 2020 and I wanted to get on that ICN fitness stage and really see where I stood. But hey, you know, things happen. But mm. once again, I took it on the chin. I've learned so much from it. I'm really grateful for it. But it's also a massive reason why I've had such a productive, driven improvement season. 
and why I'm going to be my best next year. Yeah, awesome. Mm. I think that's one of the positives for me as well is uh, I pushed myself very hard, like unnecessarily hard. Like that was one of the other negatives. And I know that this coming prep, at least the way I see it, is that it's, it's probably just not going to be as as physiologically difficult as I think my, my previous prep. And I see that as a positive, like I don't think there's, sure, I, I didn't even have it as bad as some competitors. Like there are bikini kills doing an hour of Stairmaster a day and on mm. 50 grams of carbs. Like my prep wasn't that hard, but it was still, the way I felt was was pretty horrible some days. But we know that it's relative to it's a relative, feeling. Yeah. Everyone chooses what is their hard because mm. those bikini girls, they're not doing Jack Radford Smith leg sessions. Okay, they're, they'd rather be like, I'll take the Stairmaster and lower carbs things. I'm not, I'm not doing that to my quads on the leg press. Like mm. I will die. <laughs> yeah, so I think also pushing through, like the intensity of my training was still very high mm. and I, I didn't really give out on anything training wise that prep, uh, which again, maybe was a bad thing um, because I think for some movements I should have lowered the load and improved my execution. Uh, so. Again, like intensity was great. I pushed myself really hard and those are both positive aspects and probably more people in prep need to push themselves harder. More people need to increase their intensity in the prep. So I'm not disappointed in those things because like they carried well over into my off season. I know they'll carry well over into the next prep because I'll continue to train hard. I'll continue to push myself when I need to push hard in prep, but I'll just add a little bit of extra intelligence along with that so that I train smart and hard in the prep and I push in the prep when I need to, but I pull back when I need to as well mm-hmm. and, and ultimately retain as much tissue as possible mm-hmm. um, in, in this upcoming prep for 2024. Yeah, that's something I was a positive I was able to take away from my 2020 prep when, like I said, I admitted that I just kind of backed off on those really scary anxiety provoking quad movements. But then in 2021, I tried to come back and redeem myself just to myself more than anyone else. Just, but really pushing myself through things like my Bulgarian split squats. Like I remember at the end of prep, I was only 57 kilos, but I had like a 32 kilogram kettlebell in each hand doing three sets of eight to 10 with Bulgarian split squats, like good Bulgarians. So I like tried to redeem myself in that sense, but I really proved to myself in that prep that just like you said, it's all mental. You 100% still can keep pushing yourself in training, in prep. You just can't get into that mindset of, oh, I've had a carb drop or, oh, my food's lower than it was in the improvement season, so I'm not gonna be able to push as hard because I just don't have the energy. No, if you still have the muscle mass, which you built in the improvement season, then you should still be able to push the same amount of weight if you're actually maintaining your muscle. So the two go hand in hand, but a hundred percent, if you just dig deep and suck it up, then you are able to still keep pushing yourself very, very hard in prep. And it's going to translate into your physique on show day. Yeah. Yeah. So at least I was kind of able to redeem myself in that sense of, I did show up at least with some better quads in 2021, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but yeah, don't back off, but Hey, us dietitians over here we haven't even really spoken about food at all what are some things you learned from that 2021 prep regarding food that you then want to kind of you know improve upon for this next prep are you interested in optimizing your nutrition training or physique if so head on over to our website and explore our coaching services we have options for everyone regardless of whether or not you want to compete tap the link in the show notes below or head on over to our website thebodybuildingdietitians.com to inquire now. Yeah, so mainly just around the amount of vegetable matter I was consuming and being a little bit too emotionally tied to the food volume. Not even really the diet food component because I my food was very non-diet food. I would say the most uh, diet food aspect of it was just the uh, consumption of vegetables and plant matter and fiber. So that would be the main thing is just keeping it much more simple this prep uh, lowering the dietary fiber and not being yeah overly attached to 
to like having a food baby after each meal. Mm, yeah, just embracing that hunger and not being so scared of it. Like hunger, it's legitimately a feeling. It's yeah, a little bit uncomfortable and irritating, but think of it well, almost it is physiological. It's not just <laughs> Of course a it is, but at the same time like it is I think a something that you should be able to cope with and mm-hmm. accept. Like you shouldn't be fearful of it or always trying to run from it, especially if, if it's something that it's unavoidable <laughs> at the end of the day. It's almost like a mosquito bite. Like you get a mosquito bite and yeah, it itches and it's irritating, but you know, if you lay off and you resist itching it, then over time it will go away. And every few hours you can apply a little bit of itch cream. But if you just like respond really emotionally and you just like go at this mosquito bite and just start itching it because you want that acute relief, look at your arm or look at your leg. You're going to have this huge ass gash on your arm and you'll be like, well, and it still itches. (laughs) So you're not making it any better. But yeah, that's something I really learned too as well is, is the case of like, it's actually going to stress you out so much more if you are like, okay, uh, in order to avoid being hungry, you know, for this meal where I normally just have protein oats, I'm going to have slightly less oats. And instead of protein powder, I'm going to have a little bit of cottage cheese on the side. And then because I've had less oats, I have more calories and carbohydrates for like this side salad, like making yourself all of these things, right? So to your eyes, you're like, wow, this is a lot of food volume. But yeah, then again, you, your belly's all full. You feel very distended. You don't feel as confident in your physique either. And then you're still hungry. And then your scale weight's bouncing around all over the place, which is stressing you out and giving you head spins. It's like, if you would have just embraced the hunger in the first place, everything's going to be so much more seamless and like results feel good. Seeing consistent weight drops and actually having your scale weight correlated with changes in tissue weight, not being like, oh, I think I'm in a deficit, but maybe it was because I just ate half a cauliflower last night that my scale weight bounced up. Like, just don't do that to yourself because it stresses you out so much and it causes way more just discomfort compared to if you would have just been a little bit more hungry in the first place. Yeah. Yeah, so that's something that I am not doing either this next coming prep. Like, I'm not going to extremes with hitting up the freaking fruit and vegetable marts and eating like one and a half to two kilos of fruit and vegetable matter each day. Like, I'm trying to cap it at like 300 grams of fruit, 400 grams of vegetables each day. And I don't want any more than that. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't want to give myself unnecessary head spins when it comes to food. Yeah, I'll be impressed if you stick to that. Yeah, well, you know, mark my word. I'll show you my meal plan. I've already got it set up for September 4th. Because <laughs> I think that's less than what you're eating now, especially for the fruit. To be fair, my carbs will be having. So I yeah. am having 400 grams of carbs right now. But it, it'll be even less food volume than what you're having now. Yeah, but I'm looking forward to it. Mm. Yeah, I'm really excited. But I think something that I did learn last prep though, and I think it really relates to now how you and I both coach our clients. Cause again, all of these learning lessons and experiences that we've had, it's really been able to then translate into how we coach our own clients. Because I think there's something to be said for experiencing something yourself so that you can then speak to it with merit because the message really gets across. If you're telling a client to do or to not do something, you can be like, Hey, try to trust me on this because really you don't, you don't want this to happen as a consequence. If you don't do what I say, like, (laughs) believe me, I've been there. You don't want that. So I think that gets across a lot better, but something I learned last prep is to push hard at the start. When you have more body fat on you, when you're highly motivated to diet, And also when your body's just less sensitive to those kind of negative symptoms of dieting, because in my 2020 prep, I recognized from my own body toward the end of prep that I responded quite well to high carbohydrate days. I was running a scheme of like five low days at like 150 grams of carbs and then two consecutive high days at 325 grams of carbs for weeks on end leading into that first IFBB show. And I responded really well to it in terms of uh, just like how my physique was looking after the high carb days, weekly weight drops, very consistent. I responded well to that. So I was like, hey, I'm going to trial something because I responded well to this in my previous prep. I'm going to trial it in my next prep. 
but I tried it at the very start. <laughs> so at the very beginning of my prep, close to that 25 week out mark, I was having five low days and two consecutive high days, but I didn't need high carb days then. Like I already had body fat on me. I had decent energy availability and the high carb days, to be honest, they reduced obviously my total weekly energy deficit. And I wasn't experiencing those large drops at the beginning. And that really stressed me out, especially because I would arrive to a high carb day as well. And because my low days weren't drastically low either, I wasn't even like depleted Jack going into the high carb days. So do you even ex remember this where like, I, I was on like 200 grams or something for my low days. And then on my high days, it was like near 400 grams or something. And like, I, I would take it cause I was part of what the plan that I'd written, but like, it was almost making me anxious. Cause I'm like, I feel like I don't need this. And also having 400 grams of carbs bouncing off the walls. Like I'm on 400 grams of carbs every day right now. I feel like I'm on drugs because I have so much energy. So that's something I learned, like push hard at the start, get the weight off in a larger percentage of your body weight in the early stages of prep. Otherwise, you will be racing toward the finish line at the end. And that's really stressful. It's stressful on your brain, but it's stressful on your body. So yeah, do the large majority of your dieting at the start. And then you'd only have a little bit left to get off and you don't have to be as aggressive at the end. Yeah. I think that's also a good reminder of how difficult it is. Cause I experienced this in my second prep as well as just the making those decisions yourself without a coach is, is even if you know what you're doing, mm it's just so difficult because like you're in your own head essentially. Mm, yeah. yeah. But once again, that's why I'm very open and honest about the fact that these first three preps for the most part did coach myself, but I feel like it ingrained so many hard lessons into me that I feel to my bones that I don't want my own clients to experience. And I think it's really helped to actually accelerate me as a coach because it was after that 2021 prep that I started to take on more clients as well and help coach them to high levels. And I think that what helped me almost do that out of the gates is because I'd, I'd experienced those things myself. So I'm like, hey, this is what I want you to do and why? Because you don't wanna face the consequences of if you don't do this. So they took that very seriously. But I think going through all of these preps and coaching myself, it really has helped to accelerate me far more as a coach than if I did have a coach in my corner. Yeah, I could have probably been a slightly better athlete, but I'm still under the impression, Jack, that I still just needed more time. I needed more time in the gym and more effort. <laughs> and if I wouldn't have experienced those things, I don't know again, if I would have been in the headspace that I am now leading into this next season. Like I, I just had to go through that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there are a lot of what ifs around every scenario in life. So, mm. yeah, I think reflection is key, but maybe too much reflection is also unnecessary. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I guess that's enough for that 2021 prep. But now we are leading on to what is going to be 2024. So, Jack, what are a few things you've learned this improvement season that you now want to carry into your 2024 prep? Yeah, so I think I'm just altogether a just a very very different athlete and individual like I think there's almost too much to be said really I think anything that I did poorly in those previous preps are going to be the stark opposite this time around and I've intentionally manufactured my lifestyle to cater for that so like I know what to do with I'm, I'm very confident in my approach to nutrition this time I know what I need to do better to make sleep more optimal I have a much busier lifestyle and routine because we're have a successful coaching business. So I, I think it's literally everything that I said that was poor, just it's the kind of the opposite now. Mm -hmm. And I think part of that is just me maturing as an individual and, and working with clients and getting clients to the stage, but also of course, with bouncing ideas off of my current coach, AJ as well. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, two and a half years now deep into this improvement season. Mm. We'd hope that we'd gain some more muscle maturity, but I think there certainly is a hell of a lot of mental maturity that's gone on. And just just the way that we've obviously just grown as people, as athletes, as coaches as yeah, well. Yeah, to put it, because how old were we in prep one? I was, what, 19 or 20? Yeah, we were 20 years old. 
Yeah. And like, I'll be literally 27 years old in my, <laughs> in my next prep, which is kind of weird to say, cause I'm still 25, but yeah, when in October next year, which is when some of the shows will be, mm-hmm. I'll be 27. So that's, that's a lot of time, mm. uh, to be working as a professional, uh, online coach and contest prep coach, and also as a bodybuilder and dedicating literally seven years of your life, pretty much full time mm-hmm. to bodybuilding. So you'd hope that things would be optimal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, you and I both have this saying of like competitive physiques, they're built in the improvement season and they're revealed in prep. I think now you can also say that competitive physiques and competitive mature mindsets, those are also built in the improvement season and then revealed in a prep. Like mm. you should continuously keep showing up better and better and better every single season taking everything that you learned in the years prior and then applying that to your next season so that it is yes your best showing of your physique but it's the most enjoyable prep as well that's something that i've really learned from my clients this past number of years prep is meant to be enjoyed and the people who have the best comp preps are the people who enjoy the journey and they enjoy the process and they're not so outcome focused. They really are process driven. And, you know, prep isn't something that they resent in any way. They don't have any sort of victim mentality. Everything is a get to, it's not a have to, they genuinely look forward to it. And it's not something that they talk about in a negative light as well. So I think that's something that I've really taken away from a lot of my clients is that like prep should be enjoyed. You should be making the most of it. But it's not just prep that should be enjoyed. I think what I've learned is that the improvement season is freaking meant to be enjoyed. When people talk about how bodybuilding is a lifestyle, they're really relating to the improvement season. And you and I have architected this beautiful life that we can wake up every single day and live life on our own terms and do what makes us happy. And we well and truly can live as bodybuilders. And I think that's a humongous reason why both you and I are thriving right now. But probably another reason too, Jack, is during this past improvement season, just embracing our physiques at every single stage of our journey, you know, and we're no longer looking into the future saying that, you know, oh, in terms of content creation, like, oh, I'll post photos when I'm in a mini cut or, you know, I'll take photos when I'm in prep or I'll post more then like just embracing every single phase of your journey and truly enjoying it because, you know, you're constantly getting better in some way or another. You're not just looking forward to prep to look your best, right? You're continuously looking your best and you are your best. So that's something that I've really embraced this past improvement season which I love wholeheartedly. And I think that is something that's also probably earned over time too, because understandably when you and I were first starting our bodybuilding journeys, you know, pushing up to new body weights and uncharted territory, of course, in those early years, it looked very different. Like remember back in 2017, when you were nearing on maybe 90 kilos, right? That 90 kilos might have not actually been a physique, you know, that you were going to take photos of at peak body weight and then post all over Instagram or share or whatever it may be. Same with me when I was at high body weights, I was like, oh, I actually might genuinely not feel super duper comfortable in my body weight right now. But as we've kept refining over time, building confidence, but building more muscle mass as well, over time, you really do start to be like, well, well, I've been at this for like eight years now and sure I'm at a peak body weight, but because I have more muscle mass on me, I really, really like the way that I look. So that's something that I've really taken home with me uh, during this improvement season is loving and embracing my physique at every single phase and feeling really confident to share that and really just building that confidence too, to share more of myself on social media, especially with my posing. That is a humongous thing that I've learned this improvement season is that if you want to be the best poser possible, come comp prep and come show day, you need to be putting in the groundwork during your improvement season. There's not too much more to say. 
than that. Like you have to be building those skills, building that confidence, especially as a female athlete, if you really want to stand out and have just this captivating aura to you on stage come actual prep time. So you need to be learning those skills in the improvement season because I know that in my 2021 prep, I did hire a professional posing coach coming off what I learned from my 2020 prep. But something I learned from that experience is learning the skills in prep, that's not enough. (laughs) Like doing lessons in prep and practicing in prep, especially if you don't have a background like myself of any sort of dancing or performance or gymnastics, It's not enough time to actually be learning those skills if you really want to stand out and be a highly skilled poser on stage. So you need to be practicing during the improvement season. So that's something that I've taken away for this improvement season. And that's why I practice my posing during the improvement season every single morning. I used to be in the habit of going for a 30 minute walk every morning. That was just part of my routine. But then back in April of 2022, after actually the IFBB shows down in Melbourne, seeing all those girls up on stage and being like, wow, that's going to be me in two years time. And I have some serious work to do. I then changed my routine and I said, Hey, you know, I've been walking every single morning for 30 minutes and I'm really good at walking, (laughs) but do you know what? I could actually replace this time with now investing it into building a skill. So I practice my posing every single morning without fail. It's just a habit that is ingrained into me now. And I deliberately practice things. So I'm doing posing lessons now with Morgan Eldred and she teaches me things and they're things that I need to improve upon. So what I do is I deliberately practice the things that need work. That means that you don't just practice what looks good. You practice what needs work and what actually needs refinement. And the way that I actually set it up is that I record myself every single morning and I film myself posing. And then later at the gym, when I'm about to train that morning and I'm walking on a treadmill for, you know, maybe like 20 minutes or so just warming up, I actually review my posing footage and I say, okay, cool. Like which things do I think I improved upon? Which things still need work? So I actually go back, I watch my footage and then I can apply that to the next morning so that I can keep leveling up and I can keep improving. And I'm never in the dark about what I actually look like or how I'm actually performing. So I've set it up in that case and, you know, it's been about a year and a half of now doing that deliberate morning posing practice and it's really, really paid off. And I know that will continue to pay off as I carry through the rest of this year and into my prep for next year. So man, posing, you can never do enough of it, honestly. And I know that all of the time and effort that I'm putting into that, that is seriously going to pay off. Yeah, there's definitely something to be said for staying out of it with posing during the improvement season and sure like your physique is going to change in prep which might change your posing slightly but it's not just getting into the poses themselves like that's arguably the easy part it's making it flow it's making it look natural it's making it kind of turn into muscle memory and and you don't have to think twice about moving and and uh, letting it look like an art form and that doesn't come from like 10 weeks of posing that comes from years of posing. So especially as a first timer, like not everyone is going to achieve that, but the earlier you start, the the better you'll look on stage day, essentially. Mm -hmm. And I think keeping up posing in the improvement season, it really helps people have a healthy relationship with their physique because they embrace their physique at every single phase of their bodybuilding journey. They can truly see their level of development as well. So let's say someone like yourself, right? Who during this improvement season, a really big goal of yours was to further develop your back, getting yourself into different back poses, playing around with different classic poses as, as the years have gone on, different fun transitions. It really helps you see, hey, all of this effort and time and passion I'm pouring into the gym, it's paying off and it's compounding into my physique. So I think mm. it, it really helps people see their progress. Yeah, for sure. Like if you if you don't know how to pose and you're trying to assess whether you've gained muscle, then that's tough because you can't assess 
physique improvement through relaxed poses. You can't just stand and face the camera and assess whether you've gained muscle. Mm. And sure, you could use other objective methods, but arguably they might not even be as good as assessing. Like if, if you can get into a back shot, even if you don't compete, or if you know how to tense a muscle, then that's a good way of assessing physique improvements. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but... Hey, I guess coming full circle around the bend, going to wrap up this podcast now, but I think it's safe to say, Jack, that our packages that we will be bringing in 2024, they will be a huge reflection of everything that we've learned in these past number of years. And, you know, we've continuously been students of the sport, but you and I, we will be showing up at our best yet because we've learned how to well and truly train very very hard we've taken ridiculously good care of ourselves we've matured we've put a lot of work into our mindsets and ultimately we're just going to have the best preps it's something genuinely that we are just looking forward to executing and i think we are more ready than ever to just tackle it and make the absolute most of it like mentally physically we've got a great gym environment we've got such a good support system around us we are just so ready and I can't wait. I can't wait to take people along for the ride. I can't wait to do it along your side. Like I know I'm doing season A and you're doing season B, but it's gonna be really awesome to be there for one another and bring on 2024. Mm. Yeah, I um, I feel like I'm being typical me by saying this after that, but I also want it to be a goal. Like the prep doesn't, ha- it's gonna be a major highlight of 2024, but it's not the only thing that I'm doing in 2024. So. I still put other things above my prep, like for example, my my business, because that's how I make a living and how I ensure the uh, happiness of other people as well as by my coaching. So um, that's gonna be just as important, if, as I said, even more important than the prep uh, that I'll be undertaking. And um, I'm looking forward to documenting it too. Like I'll be, uh, I've actually started a sort of a reel series this week where I'll be giving a bit of a recap on the week itself and checking in. And uh, so yeah, between now and when I step on stage, there's gonna be probably over 60 reels, over 60 check-ins. Um, so if every, I'm sure a lot of people are already following me, but if not, then um, feel free to um, give me a follow on Instagram at uh, jack.radfordsmith. Yeah, can't wait to see it. So Sunday, the 20th of August, first check-in going down. Yep. <laughs> Well, thanks everyone for listening. Hope uh, you learned a thing or two from this episode and uh, we'll catch you guys next week for yet another episode. Bye.